it is a good morning, and it is, it's nice to have a Labor Day weekend to kind of relax, right? Um, this weekend is somewhat significant for our church, and I, and I wanted to do something here before we get started. I want to invite Robert and Donna up here, uh, and we just want to honor these guys for a second, so come on up. So, Robert, can you, I know you don't have a microphone, can you tell us what happened about 10 years ago? <laughs> we got another car. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great. It was a great experience. Um, no, the huh? It was a good one. Yeah. Um, no, uh, Roger Russell had been pastor here for many years and retired, and um, we had been asked to come and interim here. It was Holiday Baptist at the time, and that it was ten years ago today. So it's yeah. been. A, and so we're just we're really thankful for Robert. This, this church would not be where it is today without him, uh, without his partnership with Kevin. And Robert wouldn't be here today without his partnership with Donna. Oh, oh that's a true <laughs> statement. That's a very true and statement. So let's, let's just stand and give these guys an applause because I, I, we want to honor them well. Thanks, Let me pray for them. Father, we thank you that you give good gifts to your church, and Robert is that, Father. And, and he's a good gift because Donna's with him. And so, Father, we thank you for what they have been to this church, how they have served faithfully for the last 10 years, and we look forward to many more years of their service here. And so, Father, thank you for them. May you bless them, may your face shine upon them, and may you give them peace, Father. We pray that in the name of Christ. Amen. All right. Well, this morning we're going to we're going to take a little break. We're in between series. You know, we were looking at um people of the Bible. Uh we looked at Priscilla and Aquila and the way they were doing leading in discipleship, passing on the gospel. And last week Robert looked at Ruth and the big effect that Ruth had because she said, "I'm going to follow Naomi's God." And all the chain reactions that occurred because of that. And so today we want to dig a little deeper into discipleship and we're going to look at the gospel. How do we share the gospel? What does it mean to share Christ with people? Um, if people are going to make a decision to follow Christ, they must hear the gospel. Okay? And as a believer in Christ, guess what? It's our job to tell them about Christ. And that's the consistent witness of the Bible. And so my opinion, there's, there's no better passage to learn about the gospel, how to share the gospel, than uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 11 and then 13 through 21. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. If not, there's one in the seat in front of you. Um, and, and take a look at this passage. Now, as you're turning there, I want to share something cool that we've done as a church. Uh, this spring, we, we asked you guys uh, if, if uh, well, actually, sorry, we got a picture here I wanted to show. So this is Peter Abungu, and he is the, the leader of Swahiba Youth Networks in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, his passion is to go into the slums around Nairobi and share the gospel with the youth and find ways to get uh, the youth the gospel, Okay. Uh, and so this spring, we partnered with P Peter, and um, we, he asked us to raise 50 scholarships to take kids to their youth camp, where they take several hundred kids from the slums 
and, and they, they share the gospel with them. They have a youth camp experience. Uh, and, he, and here's what happens. So look at this next slide. 67 kids gave their life to Christ. That's pretty awesome. So I want you to, I want you to understand this, though. We asked you, asked you to raise 50 scholarships to send kids, and you guys raised 77 scholarships, okay? And so this is a, a direct result of you partnering with Peter in the gospel, okay? Um, now, Peter, when, when we look at Peter again, Peter, this is not, uh, you know, Peter's, Peter is a pretty amazing guy. And if you know his story, me and Sean were captured by it last year. Um, he went to school in the UK, right? He got, he got a good education. He got offered a really awesome job at a great church there in the UK, and he was going to stay there. But he said, you know what? I think God's calling me back to Kenya. I don't think I can forsake these people. They need the gospel. And so he said, I'm going to go back there, and I'm going to serve them. And so that's what he did. He gave up what he saw, what he could have had in England, and he, he went back, and he's been serving well in Kenya. And you know what Peter's goal is this year? This is what he told me. He said, I want to evangelize 10,000 people this year with a verbal witness for Christ. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. And, and Peter's not the only one, right? We could cite guys all over the world in this valley that have said, I want to share the gospel. I want to preach the gospel, daily living out the Great Commission, wanting to bring the gospel to people. In fact, Kirk and Crystal, who, as we heard, are having a baby right now, um, they're moving to Africa. We're going to send them out. They've said the same thing. You know what? We, we love the Lord. We hear what he's saying, and we want to share the goodness of him with other people. And so we're going to send them out uh, later this year to go do that. They're going to move to Africa to spread the gospel. And there are many in this congregation, you don't always know it, but there are some great evangelists in this congregation that daily are living out the call of Christ to share, share the word with others. And for those that are doing it well, I applaud you. Keep up the good work. Teach the rest of us how to do it, how to be passionate about it. But many of us, you know, we, we look at these people and say, man, I, I can never do that. Like 10,000 people, I don't even know if I could share the gospel with one person, right? Worse than that, maybe many of us, if we're honest, we don't even really want to share the gospel. Seems like, a, seems like a burden. We definitely don't want to go to Africa, right? Maybe we want to walk across our front yard and speak to our neighbor or even lean back in our chair and have that difficult conversation at work. Usually we have more important things to do. We can't be bothered. Time is too important or, or we just don't care. And it can be uncomfortable to share the gospel. I mean, it's definitely not popular, right? Culturally, it's not, it's not what the world wants us doing. And so we wave at our neighbors and give them that Cheshire Cat smile. Great to see you, Brad. But we don't go over there and have that conversation with them. And our neighbors and our coworkers and our families are passing into the night, being lost, dying apart from the Lord, resigned to hell for eternity. And we're just okay with it. And so what we want to see today is that as believers in Jesus, we are all called to share the gospel. 
Now, now, some of these people we've been talking about, they are gifted evangelists. That is a calling from the Lord, right? To be able to evangelize 10,000 people, that is a gift. But God has called all of us to share with someone. Part of the normal part of the Christian life is to be actively sharing the gospel. And that's what we want to look at today. God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation, as, they will, as Paul will tell us. And he has said, what are you going to do with it? You're Christ's ambassador to the world. What are you going to do with it? What would it look like today if everyone here shared the gospel of just three people this year? Three people in this valley. You know what that would do to our valley? There would be people that would be saved. There would be people that their lives would be forever changed like Robert talked about last week with his grandfather. Whole generations of folks change because you shared. This valley would be turned upside down if we would get serious about this. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, 11, and 13 through 21 in, in mainly two parts. One, what's our motivation for sharing the gospel? As I searched my own soul, I had to do a lot of thinking, why is it so hard for me? And I think Paul gives us some good answers here. And secondly, we're going to look at our identity and God's mission, or what we are in Christ and what we're called to do. And so let's, let's look at the passage here, 2 Corinthians 5, 11, and then 13 through 21. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're just going to go right through it, looking at everything Paul has for us. Here's what it says. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. For if we are beside ourselves, down in verse 13, it is for God. If we are out of our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right. So let's look at our motivation for sharing the gospel. And, and I think all of the motivations that Paul gives us here can be summed up in one big idea. It's just experiencing God. When you come to know who he is and what he's done in your life, you cannot help but share with others. Okay. And so we're going to look at this in four, four quick parts, four motivations Paul gives us 
Two of them are the main ones. The other things flow out of that, okay? So first one, 2 Corinthians 5, 11, fear of the Lord. Look at what he says again. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, okay? Paul has come to understand who God is, what he is like, and he has a reverent respect and fear of God. We, we serve the, the God of creation, the God of all of the universe. If you saw the eclipse the other day, amazing. God did that. That's the God we serve. And that God is called Paul, and he called us to share the gospel with folks. That's what he's asked us to do. Particularly, Paul has in mind this great judgment seat of Christ. Look, look just one verse earlier in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul says, All must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So Paul wants to be found faithful at the end of his life. When he's standing before God, he wants to say, God, uh, I knew you, and I heard what you called me to do, and I've done it best to my ability. He knows that one day he'll give an account. This is kind of like the parable of the talents, if you know that, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Jesus tells the parable about uh, a master that gives his, his uh, servants uh, certain amounts of money, certain things, and they're, they're expected to go and invest this to, to pr prosper the, the master's assets. And after a period of time, the master comes back and he comes to each servant and says, okay, what have you done with what I've given you? I've given you some money of mine to invest, to grow my business. What have you done? First one has a lot. He's, he's doubled the money. The second guy's made some profit. But he comes to the last guy, and that guy took the master's assets, and he just hit it. He said, hey, I know you're a shrewd master, so I didn't want to lose it. Right? I just hit it and kept it to myself. And Jesus tells us that the master said, depart from me. Depart from me to outer darkness because you didn't do what I asked. And this is what is in Paul's mind. I think he, he knows God. He knows who he is. He knows what God has asked him to do. And he says, how can I not serve this God? Because he's a big God, and he's coming to collect on what he's given me. And so Paul is motivated, firstly, by fear of the Lord. And, th and this means we're, we're more concerned about what God thinks about us than what everybody else thinks about us. Okay? Look at 2 Corinthians 5.13. Paul says, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. That means if we look like crazy people to you, it's because we're following God and we're doing what he asked of us. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. And when we see God for who He is, then the, the world's critique of us as Christians has no power. We don't care what they think of us because we're serving the Master. So don't let your commission from the Lord to, to spread the gospel be stifled by a culture that says, well, how about we just don't do that? That's not who we serve. We serve the Lord. Somehow culture has slowly duped us to believe that their opinion and their appraisal of our life and our beliefs is more important than God's is. And that's a lie. That is a lie. Paul is primarily concerned with God's view of us, and we need to do the same. This means that, guess what? 
I want you to press the envelope at work with sharing the gospel. I want you to press the envelope with your family. Make it uncomfortable. Share the gospel. Press the envelope with your neighbors because you're serving the master and not our culture. Paul is motivated by fear of the Lord first. And this is a good starting place. But I want to say that this is a, this is a low starting place, okay? This is basically saying, hey, God told us to do this and we should do it. But Paul has a far greater reason that he is serving the Lord. And we're going to look at that next. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.14. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible. This is Paul's second motivation. These are the two biggies. Fear for serving the Lord because he said to do something. And this one's about love. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ controls us. Other translations have it this way. For the love of Christ compels us. Fear is a basic motivator, but love is such a greater motivation. Right? Not only does Paul know who God is, but he's experienced the love of Christ. And he's saying, because of what I've experienced, I have to, I'm compelled to go tell you about it. It's amazing. Paul's referring to God's love towards us and salvation. First, 1 John 4, 8 through 10 says it this way. God is love. And this is the love that of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And then in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's saying that he, he died for sinners like me and sinners like you. He forgave our sins and, and graciously he continues to lead us and love us and bless us in the midst of our sin. And Paul's saying, because of Christ's love for me, I, I can't help but tell you about this. He is good to me and he promises me a future. He forgives me. This is the good stuff of the gospel, that we receive blessing even though we, are, we run far from God so many times because of what Christ has done. And Paul's saying, in response to Christ, I want to love other people. Uh, I want them to experience what I've experienced. And so the more we experience the love of Christ, the more we turn around and begin to lay down our lives and serve others and tell them about Jesus. We have to experience God's love, and then we're motivated to share with others. You know, you know we do this easily with, with our other passions. We like football. What do we do? We talk about it. Like to go skiing. Sure love to talk about that. Whatever it is, even our favorite show on TV, man, I'm telling you all about it. You got to see this. It's awesome. How much more so the love of Christ? Romans 1.16, Paul says here, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. If you've experienced that, then how can you not tell people about it? And I think the problem is we claim it a lot of times, but we're not experiencing it in our life. We're not living in it. We'll come back to that in a second. Thirdly, I think Paul is motivated by a belief in the truth of the gospel. Okay? 
So Christianity is a reasonable faith. It is reasonable to believe in Christianity given the facts, given in the word and the things we know. It's based on revealed truth about life and God from the Bible. And when we live a life of faith, we, we, we hear, we hear the, the, basically when you live a life of faith, you hear a truth about the gospel and you say, I, I believe that. And then you begin to walk that out. You live your life believing that truth. And, and we, we continue to go down that road. We hear a truth from the Lord and his word. We believe it. We begin to stake our life on it and walk it out. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And that's what Paul is telling us. This is one of his motivations. I, I've concluded some truth about the gospel and I'm walking it out. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Here's, for the love of Christ controls us. And then look at this. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Paul's saying, look, I've decided to believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus died for me. And if he died for me, then the, the proper response of faith is, I'm going to live for him. I'm letting go of my life, and I'm picking up what he has given me. I no longer live for my own benefit, but for the benefit of Christ. And again, I think this is one of the biggest problem, problem areas for us. We, we say we believe these things about God and Christ, and yet the things we do in our life kind of betray what we say we believe. We spend far more time and money on our own interests than we do pursuing Christ. We far far more time and money on our passions than being about his work. And, and if we're saying we, we believe these things about Jesus and, and we're going to live them out, then we should start walking in those things. And so part of Paul's motivation is he's decided something about the gospel. He's decided a gospel truth. And because of that, he's beginning to live his life in response. Because God died for me, I'm giving up my life and I'm living for him. Because I'm finding life in Christ. Matthew 16, 25 tells us that for whoever would save his life or would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And serving Christ means working in the family business, reconciling people to God through the gospel. Okay, let's look at a fourth motivation here. One more that Paul gives us. First, he, he says, I fear the Lord because he's God, right? And he's given me something to do and I best be doing it. Secondly, I, I love God. I love Christ. I love, I've experienced his love and I, I'm compelled to tell you about it because it's amazing. And out of that, it's because he had decided this gospel truth. And finally, that leads to number four, a changed outlook on humanity. So if you've come to know God, if you've experienced the love of Christ, if you've come to believe that Christian, Christianity means losing your life to serve the Lord, then you're led to a different outlook on humanity. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. Here's where this comes out for Paul. 
from now on, because I've concluded all this stuff, right? Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Here Paul's describing what it means to see humanity through God's eyes. If the gospel is true and what God is doing in the world is true, then the way I see people becomes different. We see them as God sees them. We see them all as people as wayward children that need to come home. People that need the gospel, that need to experience the love of God, that were sinners just like me and God died for them just like he died for me when we were far from him. And it is our mission to go to these same people. You know, sometimes I, I'm brought to tears when you, when we see these terrorist attacks. There's far too many, and 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 you know they upset us for all sorts of reasons, for the lives lost and the the, the lack of security and uh, all these things. They bring us to tears. But but more and more as I, I live, I'm I'm brought to my knees because I look at these guys, these young men. Who are, who are giving their life to a lie. And they're lost. They're lost forever because they were deceived. These are the people that God calls us to. God's plan from, from Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, was for all nations. And the, the end picture is that at the end of the day, all nations will be worshiping Him They'll all have the breath in their lungs again, and they'll be worshiping Him. Whether you're from Africa, or the Middle East, or Asia, or America, or the South, or wherever you're from, God wants you. Christ died for you, and He wants these people to come to know Him. All these news stories, they, they just have been racking our minds, right? You know, we look at everything going on in our country, all the race stuff, all the just all the mess, right? And, and, and the gospel says you get in there. You get in the mess and you bring the gospel because God loves the white supremacist and he loves the black man and he loves the terrorist and he loves me and he loves you. I want you to hear that. And the answer is the gospel because you can't love somebody else unless God has loved you first when you are unlovable. And God says, get out there and make a difference. Share the gospel with people. That's how you get in this ballgame. That's how you make a difference in our country, through the gospel. This is what it means to no longer regard people in the flesh, but you see them through God's eyes as people that need Jesus. It's not us against them. It's us trying to bring them to the Lord. Paul cries out in Romans 10, 14 through 15 and 17, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God has called you and I to share the gospel with the world. If there is breath in your lungs because Christ gave it to you, then you are to share the gospel with the world so that they, in turn, can praise Him. 
And the question for us, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? God promises power through his spirit to do it. Will you invest the deposit of the gospel that Christ has entrusted to you in the world? So Paul's given us four areas of motivation for sharing the gospel. Fear of the Lord, the love of Christ, belief in the truths of the gospel, and this new view of humanity. This is the why of sharing the gospel. But let's look at now at our identity and, and the mission of God, okay? This is what we are, what we're called to do. So this is the second part. 2 Corinthians um, five seventeen through 21. First thing Paul tells us, is that you are a new creation in Christ, okay? This is the beginning point of sharing your faith. If you don't have an experience of salvation with God, then, then there's, no, there's no sharing your faith. You don't have faith. <laughs> Look at what he says here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is, the, this is the reality, the beginning of the Christian experience. We, we confess Christ and he transforms us. Wherever you have been, whatever your past, whatever sins you are stuck in, God says, you come to me and I wash them clean and you are made new and you follow me. And then look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. Paul tells us how this actually happens. How can we be made new? Okay. This last verse of this section tells us this. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what the theologians call the great exchange, right? When, when you hear the, the, the Bible's call, someone's witness to you to come to Christ, this, this is what's actually happening. Christ took all of our sins upon himself, he had committed no sin, and he died as if he was you. When you confess Christ, Christ says, okay, here you go. You give me your sin, I give you my righteousness. Okay. God then sees you as if you are Christ, as if you are as good and righteous before the Father as Christ. You give him all your junk, he gives you his righteousness. It's a pretty good deal. If some of you remember those ads, those uh, the old... The old uh, <laughs> What, what do we call it? The um, push-pull and drag-it-in car sales. That's basically Jesus' offer to you. If you can get it to the, to the bottom of the cross, hey, we'll give you something new. Okay? He's saying, bring your life wherever it is. It doesn't matter where it is. I died for you. I love you. And I want to make you new and give you life. And so if you haven't done that, you can do that today. We're going to come to a time of communion. And that's a great time to say, God, I'm yours. Forgive me. I see your body and your blood that was sacrificed for me. Wash me clean. Make me new. I'm yours and I want to be a part of your mission. So sharing the gospel begins with our experience of the gospel. Confessing Christ, becoming a new creation. And it happens through the great exchange and then guess what? Here's the second thing about our identity and our mission. You have a ministry, okay? You might not have known it, but you have a ministry. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, God saved you for a purpose. And guess what? It gets deeper than that. When God saved you, He had somebody else in mind. When God saved Robert's grandfather, guess who He had in mind? Robert and his family and the families beyond them. God saved you as someone else in mind. God saved you to help him save others. The Bible calls that the ministry of reconciliation. That sounds all official, but all it is is you telling other people what you found in Jesus and and getting them in relationship with God. And notice that it says that God gave us this ministry. Evangelism is meant to be a gift to the follower of Jesus, that you get to partner with God in what he's doing. Jesus could have done this all on his own. God could do it all on its own, but he wants you to be a part of it so that not only you would learn about him, but you would get to experience him moving through you, and you would see the joy of people being reconciled with God. And when we choose not to participate in God's good gifts to us, we miss out on learning about him, experiencing him in great joy. Kevin said this before, how awesome is it? I mean, it would make my year if I saw a couple people come to, come to Christ because I had shared with them. I mean, I'd ride on that cloud forever, right? And we miss out experiencing him when we don't participate. And so who is it that God called you to share with? Who did he have in mind when he shared you? And there's an easy answer to that question. Who do you live with? Who, who do you go to work with? Who, who do you recreate with? Who, who are the people you see at your favorite deli? Who are the guys at Walmart that you like to check out with? Because there's some we don't. <laughs> and, and, and I want you to see, this is the brilliance of God's plan that He's uniquely made you and placed you in, in, the, in your place in the valley to reach the people around you that I will never meet. That's your part of the vineyard, your part to take care of. That's the brilliance of God, that he, he, he does it this way, uh, as, as we're going to see. It, it, Paul says it, it's as if God is making his appeal through us. That's how he saves people. So are you going to open your mouth and share the gospel? Thirdly, Paul tells us we have a message. Um, and this passage tells us what our message is. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That is the message right there. Okay, God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting their sins against him, Come be a part of it. That's the message. In fact, we, we've been looking at this uh, three circles here, and, and I hope you guys have taken time to look at this. This is just one way to share the gospel. We want Risen Life to be competent in sharing the gospel, and so we want you to learn at least this one. There are many, many others that are very good. But this is just simply tells God's story. God created the world, sin messed it up, and that leads us into all sorts of brokenness. Our sin shoots us off into all sorts of crazy directions where we experience brokenness. 
And the answer is, we repent and believe through the gospel. Christ died on your behalf. He took away your sins, promises to give you new life, and send you into all sorts of ways of blessing. And then we recover God's purpose. We're reconciled to Him. We start heading back towards Him. That's the simple gospel message. And when you share it, you bring that and you bring your story, how you've experienced it in God. Some of you have great testimonies. You were out there, you know, drugs, alcohol, abuse, and you came to the Lord and God radically changed your life. Others of you grew up in the church. God protected you from who knows what. And you can say, praise God that I met him as a child. If you insert your story, that's the message. God's reconciling people through Christ, forgiving their sins. And then let's look at the last thing here in our identity and mission. Paul sums it up here in verse 20, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As you know, an ambassador is someone who represents a far country to the one that they daily live in. Our far country is the heavenly Jerusalem. God says that we now have included ourselves in this heavenly Jerusalem. That's our country. No longer is this world our home. That's where we're going. And so from now on, we represent that country to the world. Your job is to be an ambassador to Christ. Tell people of what it's like to know God, to relate to God, to find life in Him, to be healed by God, to experience the love of God. You tell them all about this far country and say, you know what, you can come with me. And here's how. You know, a long time ago, uh, not even that long ago, a lot of people would say, speaking about this, say, don't mess up your witness. Right? That's what this is about, being an ambassador. People look at you, and they, if you're claiming Christ, they're looking at your life, what you're doing, and people would say, don't mess up your witness. Right? And we get a little crazy with that, get a little legalistic. But there's some truth there, that as an ambassador, all aspects of our life should be striving to reflect the God that we serve and draw people to Him. Now here's, I want to say one other thing on this. One of the most important ways that you can reflect the love of Christ to you is to share people the graciousness of God towards you and your sin. We, we often like to show our lives as clean, but sometimes the gospel is best advanced when you say, you know what, I messed up, and I know I did, and you know what, God forgives me, and I'm going to keep walking with him because Christ paid for that. And it speaks volumes about the kingdom that you're a part of. Band, you can come on up. So as believers in Jesus and deacons, I want to ask the deacons to come on up too because we're going to move to a time of communion here. Um, as believers in Jesus, we are called to share the gospel. And I want to tell you again, to do that well, you've got to be regularly experiencing deep and real relationship with God. You can't do it without knowing God, without experiencing Him, about being passionate from what we find in Christ. We have to experience the love of Christ for ourselves. And God has called us to be ambassadors to a world that desperately needs Him. So as we come to a time of communion, 
This is one, this is a great way that we can rekindle a spark for the gospel. Because we remember what Christ has done for us. That his body, his blood was broken, spilt for us to cover our sin. And he invites us to come, to be forgiven, to find life. And so as we come to the communion today, let's think about the cross and let's think about our sin. What do we need to confess to the Lord? What does he need to cover in your life today? of unconfessed sin in your life, give it to him at this time. And communion, I think, is also a time to renew our pledge to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. God, I'm going to go out of here and I'm saying, I'm a part of your body. I'm going to follow you. And you can do that for the first time. If you've never come to Christ, now's a good time. Say, God, I want you in my life. Please forgive me. I want to follow you. For the rest of us, we say, you know what, God, I'm going to keep following you. And maybe that means we need to take a step out in evangelism. Say, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going I'm to share with somebody. So why don't you renew your commitment with the Lord today as you come to the table? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to pass out the bread. Father, thank you for the ways that you love us, God. Where would we be without Jesus? You came to us. You died for us before we knew you. And you said, come. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us, God. And so now we come to the table, Father, and we remember your sacrifice for us, and we want to say thank you. We want to say, God, we, we want to follow you of our lives. Lord, minister now to us as we take the bread and the cup.